Hello, my wonderful, beautiful friends. Guys, welcome back to our slash malicious compliance, where people often get exactly what they ask for and not in a good way. My friends, today's lineup is super satisfying, so sit back, relax, and get ready to listen to some wild stories where people get what they deserve. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. So this story happened well before COVID, so I might be fuzzy on the details, as this was back when I worked at a burger joint in the middle of a small city. Some dude walks in with the most condescending look on his face as he looks around our establishment. Now, our establishment advertised as a place which catered to dietary needs, which included vegetarian, vegan, organic, and religious diets. Now, this dude doesn't look like the type such a place caters to, but I don't get paid to judge. The guy orders a typical burger, the joint's default, but with no salt on the patties. Now that's not a problem, people have done this before and we easily prepare an unsalted double patty burger. This time, however, when he bites it, his face is a look of disgust. I ask him, is there something wrong, sir? The customer yells at us and says, there's way too much salt on this burger. I tell him, that's strange, we didn't put any salt on your burger, as you asked. Now at this, the customer's getting loud and even more rude, and he says to me, When I say no salt, I mean it. I'm on a no salt diet. Doctor's orders. I then say to him, Oh, really? Then why didn't you say that to begin with? Let me just make a new burger for you. At this, the guy grumbles that we should have made it right in the first place, and cue the malicious compliance. Now, our place had special policies. The moment a medical history or a specific diet was mentioned. Four minutes later, I hand him a lettuce-wrapped double patty with no pickles or bacon. Upon seeing what I brought him, the customer screams at me and says, What the F is this? This isn't a burger. I tell him, Actually, sir, it's a properly salt-free burger, as you requested. He then says, How is this a burger? There's not even a bun, you idiot. I tell him, Our burgers are made with salt. You said you have to avoid salt. Doctor's orders. The guy now studies the burger even closer and says, Where's the toppings I asked for? I tell him, I'm sorry, but our bacon and pickles are both heavily salted. Since your salt-free request is a result of a dietary restriction, not just a request, we're obligated to remove any instances of the ingredient in question. Don't worry, we didn't charge you for the bacon. The customer then bites into the burger, stating it was terrible. And not just that, the lettuce wrap was far inferior, and the meat was tasteless. I then say to him, well, I'm so sorry, sir, but not only did you ask for no salt, you triggered our establishment's dietary policy by making your request based on a medical need. The guy then demanded to speak to my manager. My manager had to explain to him that if he wanted a new burger, he would have to pay for it. And to clarify, yes, we did take dietary restrictions seriously. It wasn't just some BS for marketing. That's why we had to change his order so drastically, otherwise I wouldn't have even bothered. And no, I don't think this particular customer really had the restriction because 1. He was surprised to hear that bacon and pickles were super salty, and 2. He got angry at us for trying to adhere to his restriction. I'm guessing this man might have been new to his dietary restriction, and might not have been aware of how much salt is in a lot of things like pickles, bacon, and bread. With that said, I think we can all agree that he could have treated OP a little bit better. When I was in my early 20s, I worked at a supermarket. I should note that I was a pretty reliable employee. I was never late. In fact, I often got in early and I rarely called in sick. At the time this happened, I had not called in sick for 9 months. And even then, the manager had sent me home. On this day, I had been up all night, swinging between burning hot and freezing cold, so I was obviously feverish. 
and I'd been throwing up at both ends, shall we say. At one point about 2am, I was on the toilet, with my head in the sink, utterly miserable. Now I must have passed out, because the next thing I knew, I was lifting my head off the sink, and it was 7am. I was due to start work at 12 that day, but obviously, that wasn't gonna happen. So I call out my manager. Let's call the manager, Steve. Now, Steve was known for being a real a-hole. He never believed anybody who called in sick, except for his best buds, who were usually other managers. But he often called in sick himself, and a lot of the times, I knew it was because he was hungover and not actually sick. So the conversation went as follows. I call him and say, Hey Steve, sorry, I can't come in today, I'm so sick. He says, With what? I tell him, I don't know, I think it might be the flu. I've been up all night being sick and I have a fever. At this, Steve says, Don't be stupid. If you had the flu, you'd be completely knocked out. I need you in. You either come in or you're fired. I tell him, I can't. I just told you I can't stop vomiting. I passed out. At this, Steve gets angry, and he says, Either you come in, or bring a doctor's notes, or you're fired. Now in the UK, you are legally allowed to self-certify for 5 days. This means you can tell your employer that you're sick and you don't need a doctor's note. If you're sick for more than 5 days, you then need a note. It's also illegal to demand a doctor's note during the self-certify period. Now I knew this, but I was terrified. This was during the recession, and I couldn't afford to lose my job. So I got myself dressed, and I almost passed out trying to do so. I then trudged to the doctor's some 25-minute walk away. I end up sitting in the doctor's office for a little over an hour, which, for walk-ins, was pretty good. I then get in to see the doctor, and she's furious at me for coming in. You're not supposed to come to the doctor's when you have a cold or flu. And of course I knew that I should be able to self-certify. She told me as such, saying that I shouldn't be here, and I should have stayed home. I then explained what had happened with Steve and how he had threatened to fire me over this and I couldn't afford to lose my job. My doctor then turned her anger towards my manager. She asked if I got sick pay from the company and I said yes. The doctor then says to me, well, he wants a sick note, does he? Okay, I'll give him a sick note. Now, my manager just wanted a note confirming I was sick, but instead, my doctor wrote something along the lines of this. Jessica has come to surgery because Steve has insisted she come in, in spite of the fact that it's illegal and all employees are allowed to self-certify. Due to being forced to make this unnecessary and highly dangerous trip when the patient's ill, has a fever of 39, and almost passed out in the waiting room, I am signing my name off for two full weeks to recover. Had Jessica been allowed to self-certify as is the law, they might have only needed a few days, but due to straining themselves, they now require two full weeks. They are not to be permitted to work until two weeks later. The doctor said she would assign me off on longer, but this was the longest she could do without requiring further evidence. So basically, instead of being off for a few days, I was now signed off for two full weeks, and I'd be paid for it. I then went to my place of work, which then the manager saw me and asked me what the heck I was doing here and to go home, as I was obviously unwell. I then explained what happened, and they agreed to help me downstairs to Steve's office, and they went with me inside. I handed Steve the notes. He then looked worried and tried to say, I wasn't serious about firing you. Well, gee, when you angrily growled it down the phone line, it sure as heck sounded like it. The duty manager then declared that they were going to drive me home. It was clear that Steve wanted to argue, but had sense to know that he shouldn't. The duty manager then drives me home, made sure I was okay, and then went back to work where they informed the union rep of what happened. Steve had a disciplinary hearing, where he was given a severe reprimand and a warning. Now, Steve did try to argue that he never said I'd be fired and that I was lying, 
But the duty manager said that they heard him admit to it when he said to me that he didn't really mean it. I felt better after a few days and enjoyed my two weeks off fully paid and enjoyed the nice weather we had. Meanwhile, Steve was forced to work overtime because we were short-staffed. So thanks to the doctor, instead of being off for a few days, I ended up getting a nice two-week paid vacation. And Steve was given a final warning, all because he insisted that I get a doctor's note. What an awesome doctor for writing that note. Guys, I'm pretty sure if you work at a supermarket or around food, you definitely should not be coming into work if you're spewing out of both ends, and a good manager should know that. So this story happened about 10 to 12 years ago. There's a neighborhood behind my parents' house that everybody would cut through to get to the freeway sooner. At the exit of the said neighborhood, there was a three-way intersection, all with stop signs. Almost everybody treated two of the signs as suggestions, as the third direction didn't go anywhere. Enter the motorcycle cop. Now, most of the police in our area are pretty laid back and easygoing, and at the time would rather give you a warning than to deal with the paperwork involved in giving a citation with the obvious exception of when they had to deal with the occasional butt hook. The motorcycle cops, and this one in particular, do have a bit of a chip on their shoulders, and their policy is if they pull you over, you get a ticket. Enter my sister. Now, my sister is one of those people who seems to be a magnet for police, despite the fact that she annoyingly follows the rules. She was on the phone with my dad when she approached the above intersection, stopped, and then proceeded when clear. Textbook. Or so any rational person would think. So the confrontation. On this day, however, she encountered Officer Dick. Now, Officer Dick liked to hide in the bushes so he could nab everybody that rolled through these stop signs. And at this time, he decided to pull my sister over for the above reason. Only, there was one tiny problem. She did actually stop at the stop sign. As Officer Dick was walking up to her window, she puts my dad on speaker so he could hear the whole thing. The following dialogue is a close approximation of what happened, leaving out the irrelevant details. Officer Dick said, Good afternoon, do you know why I pulled you over today? My sister says, Uh, no, not the slightest. At this, the officer said, I pulled you over because you didn't stop at the stop sign. Sister said, Yes, I did. I always stop. Besides, you've been hiding here for the past two weeks. I'm not dumb enough to run a stop sign right in front of you. Hearing this, the officer said, Yeah, well, you didn't stop long enough. My sister said, Pardon? (laughs) Did you just say that I did stop, but I didn't stop long enough? Yes. Yes, I did. So, how long is long enough then? The officer says, Five seconds, ma'am. At this, my sister was speechless. So enter the neighborhood. Now, our neighborhood is pretty close-knit, so it didn't take long for the five-second rule to go around. We were all tired of that cop screwing with everybody, and so we decided to comply excessively. Nearly everybody with a car made it a point to leave or enter the neighborhood through that intersection. Everybody would then roll down their window as they approached, stick out their hand, make eye contact with the officer, and would slowly count down from five before proceeding. It was really very amusing for us. So after a week of this, we did notice that the cop is no longer hiding in the bushes. In fact, we didn't see him anywhere near the neighborhood for the next two years. Guys, I'm pretty sure 5 seconds is a little bit too long and only applies to food dropped on the floor, sir. I remember that as clear as day because my driving instructor was freaking hilarious. Every time we'd come up to a stop sign, he'd count 1, 2, 3, go. So yeah, 3 seconds, right? Unless I'm totally wrong and it is 5. So this person's comment says, I was once pulled over by a cop who said, You weren't going to stop at that stop sign. You only stopped because you saw me. (laughs) I was dumbfounded. 
You mean to tell me that you pulled me over because I did in fact stop? And for the record, I stopped because it was a stop sign, not because I saw him there. So this happened like seven or eight years ago, when I was jobbing at a driving service while a student. The driving service was one for people with disabilities that couldn't drive or walk on their own. Our main office was in the building of a housing slash working facility for disabled people. The two companies were loosely connected as they were both financed by the same organization. However, management-wise, they were clearly separated. We were about 15 drivers at this location and we shared our lunch and social room with about 10 caretakers. Since our schedules were horribly organized, the drivers often had idle time, so the social room was where everybody hung out waiting for work. One day, my boss, let's call him Tom, brought a cake to work because he became 60. The cake was enormous, like a wedding cake could hide behind it twice. I can only imagine how expensive it must have been. At 9 o'clock, every driver had eaten some pieces, and there was still about 80% of it left, so Tom told the caretakers that they should feel free to take some. And then Karen happens. She was something like the security inspector of the facility. So she had authority over the caretakers, but no dealing with the driving service. Her job was to watch out for potential hazards, organize the caretaker schedule, and generally having an eye on everything happening. When Karen heard there was a cake, she was furious. She and Tom couldn't stand each other, so she was always trying to ruin his day. In this particular instance, she claimed the cake was a health hazard as it contained cream. Karen couldn't verify whether the cooling chain was never broken during transport, so she threw it all away. Roughly 400 euros worth of food, just thrown away. Needless to say, Tom was less than amused. He was extremely mad. Now, Tom was usually a very calm and gentle man, but this was the only time ever that I heard him shouting at somebody. Still, there was nothing he could do. Karen could basically declare anything a hazard and take action, how she saw fit, and her higher-ups wouldn't care. To make matters worse, she doubled down and demanded that every food that was brought into the social room had to be inspected by her first. Cue the malicious compliance. So obviously all the drivers were mad at Karen for upsetting Tom and for throwing away a perfectly fine cake. So the next day, first thing in the morning, 15 drivers went to her office. Everybody with lunches demanding she inspect it. It took her roughly 10 minutes looking at the sandwiches and answering questions whether mayonnaise was too hazardous to be brought in. This went on for a whole week. Each day, our questions about hazardous foods becoming more and more dumb and degenerate. On Friday, it took her more than two hours to inspect our lunch as we collectively stole her time. That afternoon, she said she got the message and that sandwiches got a general okay and to not bother her with it anymore. Fine. The following week, we went out of our way to eat anything but sandwiches. Salads, cake, pretzels, normal lunch stuff. Every day, there was a line in front of her office having their lunch checked, asking stupid questions whether this food was or was not too dangerous to enter the social room. Karen was losing her patience, becoming increasingly aggressive towards us, but still refused to apologize to Tom. Then at the end of the two week of food checking, Tom brought a bucket for lunch. When he entered Karen's office to have his lunch checked, like he did every day, he opened the lid of his lunch pot and the smell hit everybody in the vicinity like a brick to the face. Apparently he had made some unholy mix of garlic, cream, pickles, and herring, which he called fish soup. It looked like what happens if you leave something dead in the sun for too long. It was all brownish and sluggy with some green specks in it, and it reeked as twice as bad as it looked. Karen looked as if she was going to puke at any moment, commanding him to remove this monstrosity from her office. Tom asked if she wanted to check it, since he could imagine the cooling chain could have been broken during transport or sometime in the last two weeks. 
The lot of us drivers laughed so hard that I swear some nearly choked from laughter. This was roughly the time that Karen had to admit defeat. Food checking stopped immediately, and the following week, Tom brought another cake. Guys, I feel like Karen should have compensated Tom's birthday cake. 400 euros is a lot of money for a cake, that's about 450 bucks. And for her to just throw it out since she hated him, she deserved a lot more than that nasty concoction that he brought in. Tom should have tripped and accidentally spilt the bucket all over the floor on the way out. That would have been perfect. So I work at an amusement park, and we have this ride called Moby Dick. This ride is 100% controlled by the operator. So a few weeks ago, this woman and her friend comes up to my ride, making fun of one of the kids that were on the ride. Now, the woman was saying so many hateful things about how they look. Without even looking at her, I told her to stop, and this is how it went. I say to the woman, hey, you're literally talking about a 7-year-old like that. You need to stop, or you're not going to be allowed on the rides. At this, the Karen says, but it's true. Look at them. Hey, please don't disrespect the other guests. It's not okay. At this, Karen's friend chimes in and says, Stop, before you get us in trouble again. When the ride was finished, I started to let the next group of people in. I say, do not pull down on the bars and pick any seat you'd like. To everybody, as they walk in since pulling on the bars can break the seats over time. I let a group of young boys in before Karen's group, and they sat at the end seats. Karen then marches over to the kids, yelling at them to get out of her seats and that she paid to sit at the end. I tell her, Miss, please stop yelling at the kids or you'll be removed from the ride with no refund in tickets. At this, Karen says, Don't tell me anything. Karen's friend steps in again and says, Stop it, we'll just sit in the middle. Karen then complained the whole time, walking to the middle seats, and then she pulled down the bar. I was thinking it was time to get a manager over, but I didn't want to bother them with her. Once I got everyone seated, I closed all the seat bars. When I was checking the seats, Karen's one was on the loose side, so I pushed it in a little bit to make it tighter. At this, Karen screams, You're trying to kill me. First, you left my seat open, and now you're making it so I can't breathe. At this, I ignore her, and I keep checking seats. When I finally start the ride, I slowly rock it, and Karen's screaming to take off, so I make the ride go faster doing full circles now. Halfway during the ride, Karen screams, Stop the ride, you effing bitch! I'm thinking, okay, she wants me to stop it? Fine. I then park the ride at the top of the ride. Like I do when I'm closing, but I keep the ride on. The six others on the ride weren't scared that the ride stopped. But Karen was terrified. She starts screaming her head off, crying and begging to be let down. The parents watching know what she said to their kids, and they know what's going on and they start laughing. After around 30 seconds, she's still screaming, let me down still. So I do, on the fastest setting. I start the ride spinning full speed. I make the ride a little bit longer since all the kids were having fun. Before I open the seats, I scream a warning saying, please wait for the bars to be fully open and that they stay above your head before getting up. Stay seated. Karen pushes it up and gets up, having the bar fall back down and hit her on the head. Her friend laughs at her and gets up walking her off the ride. And that, my friends, brings us to another end of our slash malicious compliance. Guys, I hope you enjoyed these satisfying stories today because I sure as heck did. And if you missed the last episode on the channel, I will link it right here. OP's 51-year-old sister demands her house for free, and she cries to mom about it. It's such a crazy story, so check it out if you haven't. And myself and Stevie Boy will see you guys in the next one. We love you. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. 
Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.